Ladies and gentlemen, the Brit Pack is back. Simon here from Rochester in the UK, flying solo once again, but fear not, myself and Mr. Sandu have not split up due to creative differences. He's down in Dallas, getting ready to cover WrestleMania. I'm stuck at home in the UK with COVID. Yes, I tested positive for COVID this morning. My ducking and diving trying to avoid the thing for two years has finally ended in failure. Me and the wife both tested positive this morning, so we are stuck at home with the kids uh, who are off school. So the Easter holidays for them has just got one week longer. So uh, yeah, it's been a crazy house today. Let me tell you, it's been uh, it's been kind of busy. But uh, yes, so I'm stuck at home. I'm going to be uh, in front of the screen for the rest of the week, which is pretty much how I do things anyway, to be fair. But um, Sandu's down there in Dallas. Check out his handiwork via BT Sports WWE theme channels. Um, he'll be doing all sorts of social media shenanigans down there in Texas as they build up to what is now a two-night event. WrestleMania over two nights, It's uh, it's gotten pretty big and bloated now. I, I preferred it when it was one night. I would rather have, have a warm-up event the night before and then put all the big hitters on night two and that be WrestleMania. But hey, what do I know? They know what they're doing. They're the ones making absolutely truckloads of cash in Stanford, Connecticut. So, um, yeah, that will be this weekend. I guess that'll be Saturday night, Sunday night. So um, if you've got WWE Network or you're pay-per-viewing it, then uh, be sure to enjoy that. And it's not a bad weekend to be enjoying a little bit of pro wrestling because MMA-wise, it's a little bit thin on the ground. We do have some live MMA coming your way from right here in the UK on Friday and Saturday night, more of which a bit later on in the show. But... It is a little bit of a light weekend in terms of uh, all the big hitters in global MMA. UFC, no event. Bellator, no event. One championship, no event. So the coast is clear for WrestleMania, and uh, maybe that's by design. But uh, it means that you've got a relatively light week ahead when it comes to uh, your combat sports watching menu. But uh, we'll, we'll bring you bang up to speed with what you have got in terms of uh, cage warriors who are bringing a double header to UFC fight pass this weekend. But before we do that, let's have a quick whistle stop run through what we had this past weekend. And I mentioned one championship just a minute ago. And for me, they were the highlight of the weekend. Now, full disclosure, I used to work for one championship, albeit as a freelancer. I was like a news editor for them for a bit uh, a couple of years ago. So I'm very familiar with their products. I'm familiar with their ethos and, how they like to present their shows. And it is noticeably different from how like the Western promotions tend to do things when it comes to like the UFC and Bellator. But it is still largely mixed martial arts at the end of the day. And everybody loves a good tear-up. This is why we're all here. And the fights on Saturday at 1X, their 10th anniversary show, were superb. And the thing that one championship does so well that we've only really seen very occasionally with Bellator and not at all with the UFC is they mix up the martial arts. If, if I can say it that way, yes, you get the MMA and that is the bulk of the cards, but they've also got a kickboxing division. They've also got Muay Thai and now they've also got a submission grappling as well. So we had a real smorgasbord of combat sports goodness coming our way on a 20 fight, 10 hour long extravaganza from Singapore Indoor Stadium last Saturday. Now, I'm not going to lie. I missed the first four fights, I reckon it must have been. 
because I didn't want to get up at 5 a.m. I woke up at about 7 and uh, was able to to dive in. Uh, I think what's the first fight I saw? Jeremy Miado versus Lito Adewang was the first fight. So I missed the first five fights. But there was plenty, plenty still left to go on. And uh, I was able to catch up on the ones I missed. Part one and part two of this event were streamed live on YouTube. Part three, which they called their grand finale, was available as a global pay-per-view. So I think it was like 25 quid here in the UK. Um, but yeah, it was it was a it was a really, really enjoyable event. Loads of stuff going on, a little bit of something for everyone. We had crazy knockouts. We had uh, as I say, we had a bit of submission grappling. World title fight. I think five world title fights were on the card. And uh provided you got the sticking power to stay with it for 10 hours, then then you were, you know, by the time you got to the grand finale, you were certainly well rewarded. The fights in the grand finale were off the hook. Let's quickly run through the main event. Angela Lee, Stamp Fairtex for the women's atom weight world title. Angela Lee, the incumbent champion, hadn't fought for two years. She'd taken time off to become a mother for the very first time with her husband and also one championship fighter, Bruno Pucci. They are now proud parents. Angela came back to take on Stamp Fairtex, whose story is a remarkable one. Um, Plucked from relative obscurity by Rich Franklin during his talent-finding show, uh, the Warrior series. And uh, she went on, as, as, as a Muay Thai fighter, she ended up first, she won the one championship atomweight kickboxing world title. She then became a two-sport world champion by winning one's atomweight Muay Thai world title. Then... After losing those belts, she ended up switching to MMA to pursue a title fight against Angela Lee. With Angela Lee out of commission due to her impending motherhood at the time, they set up a Grand Prix, an atom weight Grand Prix with all of their best athletes. And the atom weight division uh, in one is pretty stacked. They've got a lot of contenders in that division. They were easily able to put a Grand Prix tournament together. Stan Fairtex won the thing. So she's won titles in kickboxing, Muay Thai, and, albeit a Grand Prix title, also in MMA. It put her in line to face Angela Lee this, this past weekend, and uh, a big fight was in prospects, and uh, Angela Lee really rose to the occasion. Stamp Fairtex has shown so much progression and improvement as an all-round MMA fighter, and uh, even in defeat, she eventually lost by second-round rear-naked choke. But... You know, the fact she lasted as long as that against Angela Lee, who was just relentless on the mat, showed just how much Stamp has evolved. Uh, her submission defense was, was was pretty sound during the first round and also for much of the second round as well. In the end, Angela just ground her down and eventually got the tap with 10 seconds left at the end of round two. She retains the title, but Stamp Fairtex, make no mistake, she has arrived as a legit MMA contender. Um, Obviously, she's had a big promotional push, but I think she proved in that fight that she is very much up there with the best in that particular weight class in one championship. That was the main event. But for me, the night or the event was all about the co-main. Demetrius Mighty Mouse Johnson, former UFC flyweight champion, one flyweight Grand Prix champion, taking on one of the, the most spectacular strikers in the world in any discipline. Rod Tang Jitmangnon, one's 
flyweight Muay Thai world title holder is an absolute savage. There's no other way to describe it. The man is a savage. Look at his past work. Go to the One Championships YouTube page. Watch some of his past fights. There's highlight reels all over the place there of Rod Tang. Check him out. He's an absolute lunatic. They faced each other in a very, very special mixed rules fight. Three-minute rounds, four of them. Four three-minute rounds with no judges. First round, three minutes of Muay Thai. Second round, three minutes of MMA. Third round, three minutes of Muay Thai. And then the fourth round, three more minutes of MMA. They're in four-ounce MMA gloves. They're in the cage. How will the fight go? Rod Tang has the advantage because he starts the fight in in his natural uh, environment, competing in Muay Thai. Can Demetrius Johnson survive three minutes against the deadliest flyweight Muay Thai fighter on the planet? The answer, yes, he could. And he gave as good as he got as well. He connected with some big right hands on Rod Tang. Admittedly, none of them seem to have any effect on uh, on Iron Man Rod Tang because he's just got a chin made out of pure granite. So nothing that Demetrius threw at him had any effect. But he was connecting with good shots and lesser fighters I think would have been uh, would have been in trouble, but Rod Tang just walks through everything. That's the way he fights. But he wasn't able to put Demetrius away in that first round. And what that then meant was it was time for Mighty Mouse to step up in round two. Could Rod Tang survive three minutes of MMA against one of the greatest of all time? The answer: No. <laughs> Short answer: No, he couldn't. Rod Tang tried to uh, get on his bike and fight off his back foot. Complete change in strategy from his Muay Thai round, where he's just pushing forward, walking him down. This time, he's legging it backwards, keeping out the way, but uh, Demetrius catches up with him, takes him down, and uh, just locks up a rear naked choke, finishes him two minutes, 13 seconds into that second round. The tricky thing with Demetrius is he's used to five-minute rounds, so he really had to get to work once he got to the mat. There wasn't much setup time for him, so... He had to uh, he had to certainly be uh, in fast forward by the time he hit the deck, but he did that. He got the win. All kudos and credit to both men. I mean, one of my big sort of uh, pet peeves at the moment is the fact that this whole boxing versus MMA thing that we've got going on at the moment. MMA fighters are more than happy to step out of their comfort zone and box. You never see the boxers want to go the other way. There's a good reason for that. Because they're not mad. They know if they step in the octagon, they are going to get absolutely destroyed. They have nothing more than a puncher's chance when you get into the octagon. Whereas an MMA fighter who has some level of striking can step over into boxing and hope to raise their game. Doesn't work the other way around. So what that means is you never get to see the big boxing stars move across into MMA and compete. That's why this fight at the weekend was so refreshing because it showed two men, both of whom were prepared to step out of their comfort zones and compete in the other fighter's wheelhouse. Rod Tang was quite prepared to go to, go to the second round if need be. Obviously, he was trying to get Demetrius out of there, but he knew that there was a chance that he would have to compete under MMA rules in that second round. And Demetrius knew for definite that he had to survive three minutes of Muay Thai against Rod Tang. So for both guys to go in there and and, and to uh, expose themselves to 
to a different rule set against an elite level opponent in that particular sphere. All, all kudos and credit to both of them. And I hope that maybe we get to see a few more of these. You know, they're not, it's not the sort of thing you need to see every time there's a one championship show, but maybe once or twice a year, we get a card like this where, you know, Chachri Sichidon can mix things up a little bit, book some of these interesting matchups and, you know, we've already seen it on this card. There are some grappling matchups as well that might end up turning into MMA fights further down the line. So very interesting to see, entertaining to watch. We need more of this. And, uh, I, you know, I was super impressed with both men and, uh, you know, the attitude of both of them after the fight was 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 excellent as well. It's, it's, it's what you like to see. But the fight card was just top to bottom, was just great fun. The one fight that sucked, was the fight that preceded the Demetrius versus Rod Tang fight. Adriano Marias and Yuya Wakamatsu laid a big egg in the middle of the cage, unfortunately. They didn't want to engage for the first round. They both got warned. They didn't want to engage much in the second round. They got warned again. And in the third round, the referee had just completely had enough of the pair of them, gave them both a yellow card, which means a deduction in their purse. I think it's 50%. I might be wrong, but I think it's 50% basically for not pushing the action. Uh, then we saw a bit of action. Wakamatsu looked like he was probably edging the fight, to be honest, at that point. Had Mariah's on the back foot for much much of the uh, the fight. Shot him for a takedown, and Mariah's just snatched up the neck, locked up a guillotine choke, and that was the end of Wakamatsu's challenge. Adriano Mariah's retains his one flyweight title, 358, round three interested to see what happens with Mariah's next I mean my you know the the Demetrius Johnson rematch is there to be there to be made whether they decide to make that straight away or not I do not know but uh, Mariah's is a dominant champion in that division and uh, they might decide to to give him some alternative opponents build him even more Demetrius Johnson we'll see what he does next but surely a rematch between those two is going to have to happen sooner rather than later. Mariah's knocking out Demetrius Johnson in their first matchup. Knees to the head while on the ground. Not something that Demetrius has been used to in his UFC career because that is an illegal move in the UFC. One championship, fair game. And that's how Adriano won the title. He'll be wise a second time round. Can he get the win? Hopefully we get to find out. One of the most uh, fun fights to watch, also one of the more bizarre fights to watch, came before the Mariah's Wakamatsu fight. Yoshihiro Akiyama. Yes, sexy Yama himself, standing there looking like uh, he was made out of pure mahogany, taking on Shinya Aoki, who looks like he hasn't seen the sun. The difference in uh, in their skin colour was quite remarkable. Aoki looking as, as white as a sheet and uh, Akiyama looking like a bronzed Adonis. Yet they're both Japanese, both fighting in one championship in a grudge match. These two do not get along. They're very different characters. You can kind of see why they don't get on. They couldn't, you know, they're like polar opposites of each other. And uh, I thought Aoki was going to sub him in the first round. That was my prediction beforehand. Aoki took his back really early, got him up against the fence, tried to lock up a choke. Akiyama did a great job of defending, survived the entire round while standing with Aoki, riding him like a backpack um, for the entire round. Absolutely crazy. Come out for the second round. We're expecting more of the same. 
All of a sudden, Akiyama starts throwing his hands and hurts Aoki. Gets him against the fence, batters him with strikes, gets the finish, and the Singapore Indoor Stadium goes absolutely bananas. Sexy Yama gets the win, promises to bring more sexy back to the cage. Uh, he's still going. He's still going. I remember first ever UFC show I ever covered was UFC 120. Akiyama was the main event against Michael Bisbing. And uh, did he drop Bisbing in that fight? He certainly wobbled him. But uh, yeah, Akiyama walking out to Andrea Bocelli. Still walking out to Andrea Bocelli now. And uh, yeah, it's always an occasion when Sexy Yama fights. And uh, that was that was a remarkable fight. It really was. Um, also remarkable was the Muay Thai bout between former one lightweight champ Edward Foliang and Australian legend John Wayne Parr, who was going to retire at the end of this fight. He was on 99 career wins, was hoping to make it his century and uh, to go out with a win against the uh, the landslide, the former one lightweight champion. Wasn't to be, unfortunately, for John Wayne Parr. Foliang got the decision. Um, he was winning the fight quite comfortably through the first couple of rounds, but then it all kicked off in the last round. Parr, all of a sudden, Rocks Foliang midway through the last round and the roof nearly comes off the arena as he goes chasing Foliang around the cage, desperately trying to get a finish. It didn't quite happen for him, but what a wild ending to a remarkable, remarkable career in martial arts. And, uh, you know, Muay Thai and kickboxing, an absolute legend and boxing for that matter, an absolute legend of the sport down under. And, uh, you know, the fact that he goes out on 99, there's another very famous Australian sportsman who ended his career uh, attached to the number 99, uh, Donald Bradman, cricket legend. Um, his batting average was 99. I think he was out for out for a duck, which is out, out for no runs in his final bat uh, as, a, as, a, as a professional cricketer. And uh, he ended up retiring with an average of 99. John Wayne Parr retires with 99 wins so uh once the disappointment of losing out on on the uh the 100 once that subsides maybe he can have a little bit of comfort from knowing that um he's done a donald bradman and that's not bad company to be keeping if you don't know your cricket uh get on google and have a little read up of donald bradman but uh i know uh mark, mark fellows from australia he listens to the show he knows what i'm talking about but yeah john wayne Parr, absolute legend we wish him well and uh, the main card, the grand finale, opened up. If John Wayne Parr is kind of like the outgoing legend, the new breed was featured just beforehand. Super Bond, the one featherweight kickboxing champion, just showed us how good he really is. Took on Marek Gregorian, who actually knocked him out in pretty quick fashion the last time they fought. But this time it was all Super Bond. Lit him up like a Christmas tree for much of the fight. Looked head and shoulders above Gregorian, who is no mug. And uh, won the unanimous decision, retained his one featherweight kickboxing title. That was a superb performance. That was the grand finale. But honestly, there was a 20-fight card. There was so much I could have gone through. I'm not going to go through the whole card because this show will be ridiculously long. And I did a stupidly long show after UFC London. You don't need another one of those. It was, a, it was an amazing card. So much fun. I assume parts one and two, because they were streamed live on YouTube, you can probably go onto YouTube and watch those if you haven't seen them already. 
Grand Finale was on pay-per-view, so I don't know whether you'll get those bouts eventually on YouTube. But um, certainly parts one and two, there was some, there, you know, there was some great stuff happened on those two undercard lineups. So uh, check those out. We've got, as I say, a bit of a light weekend this weekend. If you didn't watch all of One uh, X, then uh, there's a little bit of homework for you before next week's show. It was a good, good event. I thoroughly enjoyed it. Hopefully they do maybe one a year or, you know, one every couple of years like this. I think uh, it would be a really big tentpole event that they could really hang the rest of their schedule around. And it sounds like in the next week or so, they're going to announce a major TV deal uh, in the US. And that will open the door to shows on US primetime and uh, events eventually stateside. So um, looking forward to that. I think, you know, they were hoping to have done all this already, but obviously COVID kicked in and shelved all of those plans. But yeah, news to come from one championship in the next week or two. Keep your eyes peeled. That was one championship. That was basically from 5 a.m. UK time through to like 3 p.m. It was absolutely nuts. That took up most of my day. But then we had UFC fight night from Columbus, Ohio. UFC on ESPN 33 to give it its official title. That took place Saturday night. And uh, they had quite the act to follow, given what happened in London the previous week. But it was another packed house. It was another raucous crowd. It was another great atmosphere. On London level. But it was really good nonetheless. The fights weren't quite as, uh, as spectacular as those we enjoyed in London. A lot of decisions on this card. But there were some big performances. Curtis Blades in the main event showing that he is not just a wrestler. He attempted zero takedowns in his second round TKO victory over Chris Dorcas. And I think that was a real point-making performance from Curtis Blades. He can do this without using his wrestling. And what that means is he's more well-rounded than people thought he was. He's dangerous with his hands. We know his wrestling is absolutely top draw. Put it all together, you've got a serious problem at heavyweight. He's getting better with every fight. He's had a few setbacks earlier in his career. I was actually there in Zagreb when he made his UFC debut against another young debutante by the name of Francis Ngannou. Whatever happened to him, I wonder. But anyway, Blades and Ngannou fought on their respective debuts, and it's not beyond the realm of possibility that they could be facing off again at some point, probably in 2023, given the fact that Ngannou is trying to uh, rehab uh, an injury having just come out of surgery. We're likely to get an interim title at heavyweight. The big question is, who's going to be competing for it? Who's going to be fighting for it? The smart money, I think, is on a Stipe Miocic, John Jones fight. I think that's the fight the UFC wants to make. Uh, there's a lot of negotiation that needs to be done before that can happen, but I think that would be the UFC's first choice. We have Curtis Blades in the mix. We also have former interim champion Cyril Garn in the mix. And just on the fringes, waiting for his chance, we've got Tom Aspinall. But he's already called out Taito Iwasa. I think that is the perfect call out for him. If he gets through Taito Iwasa, then he's there. So let's see how all this plays out. But I have a feeling that we're going to see Curtis Blades versus Cyril Garn next. The big question will be, will it be for the interim title or not? Lots to sort out at the top of that UFC heavyweight division. The good news is we have a we have a batch of contenders now. It was looking a little bit stale not that long ago, but now we've got a bit of a title picture 
coming together. You know, if Stipe's coming back, if John Jones is finally going to step into the mix at heavyweight, Cyril Garn is there or thereabouts. Blades has been there or thereabouts for a while. And we've got two of us uh, and Aspinall just waiting to prove their worth with one more victory. So interesting to see how all this pans out. But uh, Curtis Blades certainly did his reputation no harm whatsoever in the main event on Saturday night. Co-main event, Alexa Grasso defeats Joanne Wood by submission. First round submission, rear naked choke. Not many people would have predicted that. If you back that at the bookies, congratulations. The beers are on you. That would have been a decent payday, I would imagine, because Alexa Grasso stands and trades. That's what she does. Joanne Wood stands and trades. That's what she does. I was expecting a three-round slugfest, bit, bit of extra blood on the canvas, and someone winning 29-28. That's what I was expecting. But as it turned out, Alexa Grasso decided to show the world her submission skills and got it done in the first round, rear naked choke. She's there or thereabouts for a shot at the USC flyweight title. I hope, with all respect to her, that she does not get the next shot. I hope that they allow her to maybe have another fight first. I'm not sure whether she's fully ready to step up to face Valentina Shevchenko. That said, who is ready to step up to face Valentina Shevchenko? Because it's like she's playing with all the cheat codes at 125 pounds. She's just so much better than the rest. And arguably the best thing that could happen to that division is for Shevchenko to abandon it and move up to 35. That would be the best thing to happen to the 125-pound division because right now it's Valentina Shevchenko and then the rest. That's just the way it is right now. But all that being said, Alexa Grasso did a really good job on Saturday defeating Joanne Wood, and uh, she's very much in the mix at the top of that flyweight division. One of the best fights of the year so far, Brian Barberena defeating Matt Brown by split decision. First off, it was the right decision. I think Brian Barberina won that fight. The crowd hated it because Matt Brown is from Columbus, Ohio, and uh, he's their, one of their favorite sons. And I think everybody was willing him to get the victory on home soil. It wasn't to be. Barberina is almost like a younger, slightly better conditioned version of Matt Brown. Um, and uh, we kind of saw that during the fight. Great performance from him. And uh, no amount of trying to be nice during his post-fight interview was going to stop that Columbus crowd from booing the hell out of him until he left the cage. <laughs> so it was just one of those. That was Barberina's last fight of his UFC contract. And he said that he's going to retire if he doesn't get another deal from the UFC. That would be a shame. That would be a shame. If, if the UFC doesn't give him a deal, he would be a great pickup for Bellator. He'd be a great pickup for the PFL. Obviously, PFL season is just about to get underway. So timing's not ideal. But he'd be a great addition to the Bellator roster. He's one of those people, you see him on the fight card, you're going to get value for your ticket, you know? You know you're going to get a good fight if Brian Barberina's on the card. And uh, yeah, it was his it was his win on Saturday, and deservedly so. It was also a big win for Kai Kara France, who defeated Askar Askarov. Unanimous decision, 29-28 across the board. He's now right there at the top of that flyweight division and should be next to face the winner of what we expect is coming in the summer, which is a fourth meeting between Davison Figueredo and Brandon Moreno. If that fourth fight wasn't going to happen, Cara France is next up, without a doubt. Uh, great performance against Askar Askarov. Um, managed to nullify Askarov's takedowns 
and just lit him up with strikes, pushed the pace through the whole of the fight. Asgarov came back strongly in that fight as well, but it was a tight, closely contested fight. But Cara France, for me, got the fight 29-28. The three judges were in agreement. I think it was the right decision. I know Askarov looked bitterly disappointed at the scorecards when uh, when they were announced, but Cara France moves on. And uh, fingers crossed for him, he'll get a shot at the flyweight belt towards the end of this year. Um, and kicking off... Oh, sorry, with two fights kicking off the make-up. Neil Magny defeating Max Griffin. Talk about fighters who always give you value for your ticket money. I'll put Max Griffin in that category as well. Um, he had Magny in big trouble early in that fight, but Magny rallied, came back well, won a split decision, 29-28, 28-29, 29-28. Called out Hamzat Chimaev. He's not going to get that fight right now because Hamzat Chimaev is due to take on Gilbert Burns at UFC 273. If he wins... He's probably going to be fighting for a title. If he loses, UFC are going to need to book him in a bounce back fight. Neil Magny might be the guy if that happens. But the person who has a deciding factor in that is a certain Mr. G. Burns of uh, of Brazil via Florida. If Gilbert Burns can beat Hamzat Chimaev, Neil Magny might finally get that Hamzat Chimaev fight. But we shall see how it all pans out. Um, I'll have an interview with Gilbert Burns on Fighters Only, uh, hopefully by the time you get this podcast. If not, it'll be up by the end of the week. So uh, look out for that as well. Um, and kicking off the main card, Mark Jukasey, uh England's Mark Jukasey, taking on Vyacheslav Borshev in a fight that looked like it was just going to be a, a stand-up war. And uh, it didn't turn out that way, did it? Mark Jukasey showed people his hidden wrestling skills. Now, this was a big surprise to a lot of people. Not a big surprise to those who followed Mark Jukasey from really early in his career. That's how he used to fight. He used to lean on his wrestling pretty much most of the time. Um, early on in his fights, he was a, he was quite dominant with his wrestling early on. And uh, was accused of being a bit boring, believe it or not, in his early days of uh, just wrestling people for decisions. But then he turned to his striking. And uh, if you've got a wrestler who's got hands, all of a sudden that opens up all sorts of possibilities. Jukasey started starching people left and right, started getting even more spectacular as he did so. That eventually saw him get the the, uh, the Bama lightweight title, then got into the UFC and carried that spectacular start into the UFC. And now on Saturday night, on a two-fight skid, last fight of his contract, he needed a win. He went back to uh, he went back to basics, went back to the old school, turned to his wrestling, and Borchev had nothing for him. Thirty twenty sevens across the board for the Bone Crusher. Fingers crossed, he gets another UFC contract, and uh, we get to see Diakazi moving forward because now the UFC lightweight roster know that Diakazi is not a one trick pony. He's not just a striker, and they need to be wary of his wrestling. And if they're wary of his wrestling, they're going to take half an eye off his striking. And that is where the spectacular Mark Casey can really make hay. So let's see how it all goes for him. Fingers crossed he gets himself a deal with the UFC. If he doesn't, then Scott Coker and Bellator need to be on the phone straight away. Stick him on their European roster. He will be an absolute star for Bellator if he ends up not getting re-upped by the UFC. We'll see what happens next for the Bone Crusher. Uh, that was the main card of UFC on ESPN 33. Decent enough fight card. Nowhere near 
on the level of the London card. But that is that for me is one of the all-time great events, um, all local biases aside. It was just an outstanding event top to tail. There are very few that you can look back in history and put alongside it. The Dublin Conor McGregor event where he beat Diego Brandao, that card had a similar momentum. There have been some huge pay-per-view stateside that I've been a part of that, that I would put up there. Uh, UFC 189 was one of them. UFC 196 was absolutely crazy when Diaz submitted McGregor and Misha Tate came back from from almost certain defeat to beat Holly Holm and win the belt in the last the last minute of the last round of her title fight. So many good events, but the London one was right up there. This, not in the same league, but a decent enough fight like nonetheless. And we have no UFC this weekend. What we do have for those of you with UFC Fight Pass, is a double helping of Cage Warriors action from the BEC Arena in Manchester, England, April 1st, April 2nd. And uh, we've got two stacked cards. Friday night, main event, Daniel Skibinski taking on Justin Berlinson. Berlinson, a real talent coming through the Cage Warriors uh, setup. He had a chance on the uh, on the Contender Series and uh, didn't quite go his way, but He's a real talent. He's in the main event. He gets the main event showcase on Friday night. One of my favorite fighters to watch from the UK scene, Dean Truman, is kicking off that main card. Kicks off at 9 p.m. UK time on Fight Pass, taking on Giuseppe Ruggieri. Truman walks out to uh, to Oasis, fights like an absolute lunatic, always entertaining, must-see TV whenever Dean Truman walks to the cage on a Cage Warriors event. Do check his fight out. And the co-main event sees the return to Cage Warriors of the dentist. Darren Stewart takes on Carlos Antonio de Souza. He has an appointment with the dentist. Will he be having any extractions on Saturday, on Friday night? Darren Stewart will be throwing hands with bad intentions, looking to uh, to make a statement on his return to the promotion. That'll be well worth a watch. That's Friday night. Serves as a lovely warm-up for Saturday's card which features world championship action in the main event. Jati Milan, who has only just recently won the middleweight title, he defeated Matthew Bonner to win that belt. He now takes on one of the most talented up-and-coming fighters to come out of the UK in quite some time. Christian Leroy Duncan was an amateur prodigy. He's now worked his way up the ranks of the Cage Warriors professional middleweight division. And the best way to describe him? Spectacular. Spectacular. He is... He is a protege of the great Mark Weir, and you will see that Mark Weir influence in his fighting style. He is a little bit special, ladies and gentlemen. Look out for him in the main event on Saturday night. Middleweight title up for grabs. Jatty Milan looking to make the first defense of his belt. Christian Leroy Duncan looking to capture championship gold in Cage Warriors. Co-main event, Gerardo Fanny versus Aaron Aby at flyweight. That will be a good fight. We also have Luke Riley kicking off the uh, the fight card at bantamweight and uh, eight fights on the prelims as well. Some good stuff on that preliminary card. Manny Akpan is on that card. Ben Reese is on that card. Mick Stanton, the Heighten Hammer, is the featured attraction on that preliminary card as well. So loads to get your teeth into. Commentary will be absolutely top draw. Brad Wharton always does a fantastic job. I would expect Dan Hardy will be in the building. And there might be one or two other notable names in the building as well. There is a big MMA expo called For the Love of MMA, which is taking place 
I believe, in the same facility that weekend. So there may well be some other notable names there. I know George St. Pierre, I think he's supposed to be there. I know Michael Bisbing is supposed to be there. Tom Aspinall will be there. Darren Till will be there. Randy Couture, Mark Coleman, Tito Ortiz. They're all due to be there April 2nd and 3rd, which is the Saturday and Sunday. Cage Warriors are at the same arena Friday, Saturday. So you never know. You never know. We might see some of MMA's legendary figures appearing at the Cage Warriors event on Saturday night or maybe even on Friday night as well. But make sure you check that out. Um, Cage Warriors events are always superbly put together. They've got a great team and uh, the events are really nicely nicely staged. So that'll be on UFC Fight Pass Friday night and Saturday night. So the prelims for both cards kick off 6 p.m. UK time. Main card on both events, 9 p.m. UK time. And that is pretty much all I've got for you on this week's edition of the Brit Pack. Uh, Mr. Sandu will be uh, hobnobbing down there in Dallas for WrestleMania. Check out his handiwork on the socials, uh, BT Sport WWE and his own social media. You can get those links via thebritpackmma.com where you can get all our social media links, including those of the show. You can also get to all the different ways that you can actually listen to the show. We're on YouTube. You might have heard about this. We're on YouTube. We're not live as video, like proper video yet. It's audio form at the moment. Get on there and give it a sub for us so we're nicely set up for when we switch to video later this summer. Also, you can subscribe to us on Substack, which means you can get the podcast sent straight to your inbox the minute we put the thing live. And we're available via all the usual podcasting platforms, Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever else we're on them all so and um if you're on apple Podcasts, chuck us a review chuck us a rating let everybody know that we're there and uh it just helps spread the word lets more people discover us as they're surfing around looking for more cool stuff to listen to so yes that's pretty much all we have on the brick pack this week thank you so much for listening enjoy the fights this weekend get on fight pass enjoy cage warriors and i'll speak to you next week Thank you.